Koshian cast, where we're extremely excited to finally hear some characters say the word Koshian. My name is Matt, <laughs> and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. That's me. Hey, welcome on, buddy. Always glad to have you on. Yeah, it's... I, I, I was talking to you before we recorded and just saying how nice it is to be on a regular schedule, because, you know, you've been going to some conventions recently... And we've been recording early, or I've been doing part of it separately. You've made me watch Tiger Mask by myself, you know? <laughs> and so it's it is uh, it's good to be back on the more normal weekly routine. It's been almost two weeks since we actually recorded together. And e I mean, even like when we were recording like as normal that one week where we could actually do that, we uh, we were still just. Uh... We were like we still had to record Tiger Mask separately, so it's nice to actually just be able to record in one giant chunk again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, hopefully it's not too giant. Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So what week is it, Matt? Uh, we are on week ten of the spring season, covering all sports anime from June fourth to June tenth. Um. So, do we have any announcements this week, or are we good to go? I, th I think it's just a, a good old-fashioned normal week, so we're going to dive oh, right in. Wonderful. Okay, so I am going to cover Yamamushi Petal. Uh, this is episode 22. So, in this episode, it begins with a note of having some back and forth with one of the main writers who's trying to keep him from get breaking from the pack. His name is Bunya, and he is trying to keep him from advancing forward, but at the same time he needs to also break free, free from the pack so he can get caught up with his own partner, uh, Kawahara. Uh, Inoda end up, ends up, like, in last place, but he ends up using it to his favor because it gives him enough room to actually back up and accelerate. It was actually a nice bit of strategy. Uh, and then we have the main confrontation of this episode, which is Climber versus Climber. We have Minami... Uh, going up against Teshima, the unlikely, uh, his unlikely opponent. Uh, and what we discover is that Teshima is, uh, you know, he's just, you know, he's the, he's the everyman's writer, apparently. And he, uh, you know, he's struggling to even keep up pace with Minami. So, uh, effectively what it looks like the strategy is going to be is that he is going to try and block off Min uh, Minami from passing him so that uh, Anoda can actually has the time so he'll actually have the time to catch up. And that's pretty much where the episode ends. Yeah, I I will admit I did not take much in the way of notes because it feels like this episode was mostly build up, but I'm not sure exactly what it's building up to. Um, right. there wasn't much payoff. I guess like like you mentioned the only real action was Teshima and Minami, um, right. and they spent the whole time with Teshima. Everyone saying, "Oh, who's that Teshima? He he's not Anoda. He probably sucks." <laughs> but then right. he doesn't. But he still kind of does. <laughs> but he does. Uh, but he doesn't. <laughs> so in spite of that, I still kind of liked the episode. Weirdly enough. I actually do like this weird matchup between Minami and Teshima because these are two characters who have been established for, you know, a very long time. You know, Teshima has been established... Both of these characters have been established since the first series. 
Uh, but yet, you know, they're two characters that you wouldn't really expect to actually have to go up against one another. That's true. Like, like uh, Kaburagi and Dobashi, we knew that was coming from a mile away. If not Dobashi, we knew Kaburagi would have to go up against somebody new because he's the old, because you know he's the uh, he's the new character. He can't go up against one of the old guard. Right. Uh, whereas you know Teshima's not really that hasn't really been that important of a of like a racer as of yet, despite being captain. So it is nice to see him actually go up against like another like long established character yet but yet not one he's actually had a lot of interaction with. Like for example, I guess if he was going up against like say Izumita, it wouldn't necessarily be that interesting meet to me. Because you know, again, okay, so we have the two captains going up against one another and that's kind of the sort of mentality that the series goes into sometimes. So I thought it was a nice shakeup at the very least. And I also like the callback that it seems to be hinting at here uh, with uh, Teshima, which is that he, uh, he seems to be doing the same thing uh, with Manami as he did to the other racers during, uh, like, oh, with, yeah. the, uh, with the main three group, like, where he's trying yeah, to in block the, them in the training camp in the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we do complain sometimes that the series kind of kind of reuses a lot of the same tricks. I think this one's a little bit more earned. Yeah. Just because, first of all, it's it's not something that we've actually seen done in, like, the inter-high setting for some reason. And not only that, it seems to at least be building up to... It's still something more of a strategy than what we've seen in Yawapeta thus far, outside of, you know, pedal harder. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind Teshima as a racer as much as I mind Teshima as a captain. Um, because, you know, the thing we've been complaining about and is basically borne out is Teshima just having captain sense where he can infer everything that's going to happen because of reasons. And, um, I like him as a racer because he's a lot more desperate and he's just sort of barely holding on. And this was one of the first times, you know, usually you have these intense races and despite that, they just have this extended conversation back and forth. And right. I like there's there's one scene where Minami is conversing with Teshima, and Teshima doesn't respond because he's breathing too hard from climbing the mountain, which makes right. sense because it's extremely difficult. <coughs> and ex- I, it, but it made me stop and think. I'm like, when was the last time someone was too tired to speak <laughs> while biking in Yaopeda? It just doesn't happen, right? And you know, I, I think it also does. Uh... It does actually highlight a neat difference between the two characters. You know, you have this one character who rides so effortlessly that, you know, he does, you know, he can sort of, like, shoot the breeze with who he's riding with. Whereas Teshima, you know, he, just in order to keep up with this guy, he's got to, like, put his full concentration on that. Right. You know, you know, it's, you know, this is the sort of thing I actually liked, I used to like about Yawamushi. <laughs> used to like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a little mean, but, you know, it's like, we haven't seen... We haven't seen stuff like this in You're a right, while. you're right. I mean, there was... Everyone became god-tier too fast, so you didn't get to see people actually struggle while riding a bike anymore. Right. Um, so, that, uh, so again, I, I'm basically with you. The, the half of the episode about Minami and Tachima was not bad. It, it was decent as these things go. I'm looking right. forward to seeing how that resolves itself, whether Tachima actually does something independently or if he's just waiting for Onoda to save the day, um, which segues pretty closely to uh, the other focus which was on Onoda. What did, what did you think of that? I mean, 
again, I don't... I still don't like the fact that Anoda was just sort of left behind because. Right. But at the very least, I did appreciate, once again, the series bringing back a little bit of strategy into the fold here, where Onoda actually has to kind of use being in last place to his advantage because it's the only place he can actually build up enough speed to actually accelerate more. It's like, okay, that's fine. Like, you know, that actually makes sense to me. Like, uh, as opposed to before, where it's just sort of like, he's just getting bumped around all the time. And it's like, that's not necessarily interesting to see. Um, one thing I was a little confused by was, like, they kind of made, uh, they sort of focused on this one incident where Anoda accidentally runs into Bunya a little bit, and he tears at his heel, or his ankle. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was gonna lead to something a little bit more, and it hasn't really. Yeah, I mean, I think that was just setting up the single <coughs> line where Bunya said that, like, I, I would sacrifice my whole body to keep you back here, or whatever. And he, right. And Onoda's like, whoa, he sure is serious, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 couple of things that I didn't love about it was... So the way that Onoda got into this situation was because, like, you know, the pack caught up to them. And then he looked up and he said, like, oh, golly, I got separated from my team. How'd that happen? Which, uh, uh okay... And then he ended up in this episode in last place because he looked up and said, Oh, golly, I'm in last place. How did that happen? And it just, <laughs> you know, the show makes no effort to demonstrate why it happened that he would be in the very back. It's just sort of he suddenly notices. Right. Um, it's like it just suddenly happened. Yeah, but that was because that putting him in last one, it mirrors last year's uh, or not last year's, last season's plot where he's in last place and has to work his way back up. Um, but two, it's the only way they could include any kind of strategy with him doing a hard break while in last place so that he can get out from behind the other people trying to block him in. Um, here's here's one thing I'm curious about. So there's like... I'm trying I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't remember. how How many teams are there? Well, cause ah. it's like it's like the number of Japanese prefectures plus one. I think is the number. right. So it's like twenty so, something. Yeah, that that sounds about right. It sounds about. I think it's around twenty ish. Yeah. Um. So so let's just for for the sake of argument, let's say twenty five, and we'll look it up later and not edit this episode or correct ourselves ever. But um, <laughs> so there's approximately like twenty five teams. Um. And the reason that there's a plus one is because typically in these sort of things, Tokyo gets two representatives since it's a mega city. Yeah, it's just gigantic. Um, anyway, uh, so let's say there's 25-ish teams, nine teams, so nine teams, almost half the teams, assigned one of their six members to hang <laughs> at the back exclusively to prevent Onoda from being able to race to the front. That's their whole mission, is to block Onoda and keep him from breaking away because he's the champ. That, that it seems like... Like, I don't mind that some teams did it, but to have right. nine teams to have like doing a, that and sacrificing... Exactly. Like, sacrificing one of their team members just for Onoda's sake... It's like, that strategy only really works 
if you realize that the other teams are doing that because you'd have to basically right. confer exactly because one person can't do it by themselves right yeah exactly it's like you'd have to have like a bunch of different groups like all of a sudden like right together it's like okay so we're gonna have our we're gonna have our our uh, our elongated discussion of strategy here and we're all going to agree to put like i'm almost imagining like a un type of situation exactly yeah you they know? just had a big meeting that uh, sohoku wasn't invited to it's like all the teams who aren't gonna win get together and figure out your strategy <laughs> and it's like that's like literally that's the only way that this could work but that doesn't make any sense yeah exactly I think uh, we this has been uh, sort of a running theme for us. Uh, not necessarily with Yamamushi Pedal, but just sort of our interpretation of sports series in general. Which is, a lot of it comes down to the details. Like, And I think that's a general issue that Yamamushi Pedal has a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Which is, it does, it like... I think the twists kind of make sense in the heat of the moment. Right. But when it comes right, but it's like they don't think through, like, who, like, the original author doesn't seem to think through, like, the details about how this might not make sense or how this may or may not be believable. Yeah, exactly. Like, the logical sequence is just not there for a lot of this stuff. Right. It's kind of, it's, it's writing in order to create a moment rather than writing a logical conclusion. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's kind of the, that kind of... Epitomizes, I think, a lot of the some of the issues within Yamamushi Pedal. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's not the only show with issues. Uh, <laughs> we should uh, move on to our perpetual companion, Tiger Mask. <laughs> Please, <laughs> that's all you, buddy. Yeah. So, Tiger Mask episode thirty-five. Uh, it's the second match of Final Wars. Uh, it's a two-two-on-two <laughs> two match. And uh, Tiger the Black starts off his tag team match against Makabe by shouting, Bois, kill you, um, in English. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ultimately, what what happens is Makabe knocks Tiger the Black unconscious, and as as he's about to pin him, Tiger the Great III interrupts the match, and he drops Makabe on his head, knocks him unconscious... And then <coughs> rolls Tiger the Black on top of Makabe and tells the referee <laughs> to start counting. Um, and that's the way that GWM wins that match because Tiger the Black pinned him while unconscious, I guess. Um, <laughs> so Makabe had to go to the hospital. So now, and Naito is not able to make it because he only just got to the airport. So they really need some help. And uh, Tiger the Dark walks in aka takuma he walks in pledges his loyalty to njpw and he gets put in the three on three uh together with uh, tanahashi and tiger mask uh he fights kevin and they have some mo- emotions uh, eventually gets switched out um but they're not able to defeat uh big tiger the second uh who knocks out <coughs> tanahashi and just like that uh GWM has two wins, and they only need one more win in order to seal the deal. <laughs> I'm getting some real flashbacks to Scorching Ping Pong Girls here. What? Oh, yeah, like they go down 2-0 early, and they just have to fight and win all the rest all in a row, and that's the only way it can possibly work, and then it happens. Yeah, effectively, and then like the only characters who matter are the only ones who win. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's like, oh, what a shock! Makabe didn't win. You know <laughs> what I found interesting about that because Makabe is a real wrestler, right? Yes. Um. So what I find interesting about that as well is that he himself couldn't win. He lost by illegitimate means. Mm. Um. Like they couldn't let him win. Uh. He they couldn't let him lose. Yeah. Exactly. Uh. Just by losing way. the tiger. In yeah. a fair way, no, what? Because he beat Tiger the Black. Right. However, if it wasn't for Tiger the Great the Third sneaking up on him and knocking him out, and then rolling, uh, and then basically completely interfering with his match, he would have lo- he would have won. Right. So it's kind of an interesting. I I find that kind of interesting in a way about kind of watching, um, sort of see the threads of like what's kind of tying the show together as like a promotional material. Yeah. Because they can't they can't like let their own wrestler like lose yeah except tanahashi's also real and he lost Um, oh he did lose didn't he but i mean (laughs) (laughs) well maybe i'll just shut up no i mean i I think that's partly that's that's also because you know tiger mask was trying to help him and then i those tag matches i'm never really sure how to interpret them because clearly both sides are cheating the whole time Uh, so because that happens a lot in actual wrestling i I recognize that yeah but because the the thing is that when you're watching wrestling you like unless you're a child you know that what's going on there is not actually real you know yeah obviously they can't just break the rules and still win right but but the series still has to it, uh, there's a saying. It's a don't break ka- uh, kafube or or I don't remember the exact term, but effectively is you don't break the illusion. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what Tiger Mask is doing in its own weird way. It's kind of not trying not to break the illusion of wrestling for children who are watching this show. So when they go out and watch a real show, they still remain convinced that it's going to, like you know what they're seeing here is real. Right, because yeah, because the the flagrant cheating makes sense when it's a script, but right. it doesn't make sense if you're going to treat it as a sport. And this show wants to do both. It wants to treat it as a totally legitimate, important sport, uh, in which people cheat all the time and never get called on it. Right, because if they get because if they do call them on it, or if they do, then that kind of reduces the impact of the actual wrestling matches because we even know that they do wrestling events with a live action tiger mask and live action tiger the dark right so again kind of interesting in that regard doesn't necessarily make it a good show or a show that really makes any sense outside of that context yeah um also uh what was because we were talking before you said you did actually overall kind of enjoy the episode yeah, I I thought that the reveal of Tiger the Dark was done well, and it was kind of fun. It, it was fun seeing him show up and have to prove that he'd turned over a new leaf or whatever. It was fun seeing him be under the third spotlight and having the crowd react. And mostly, I mean, I liked it just because Kevin freaked out, <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out what's going on there. Like, right. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. I I agree with you with the fight with Kevin. I did enjoy that. That's the first, that's like one of the very first times in the show I feel like we've actually had a fight built up, like an actual like like there's an actual yeah. There were some here. emotional stakes to it. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, so Tiger the Dark, you know, is kind of betraying his one friend that he really had at GWM. 
Well, I guess there was also Odin, but Odin went back to France, so... <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah, he, you know, he's kind of going against, and he actually has to, you know... That's the first time I've actually really felt any sort of, like, okay, this is a fight that actually means more than just winning the belt here. Right. I did like that. I was not big on just this sort of build-up to Tiger the Dark, because you knew that when he was... That he was working towards recovering and working with Tiger, uh, Tiger Mask in the first place... That I kind of felt like a lot of this was just sort of, like, delaying the inevitable. Yeah, right, right. Uh, just, like, this whole, like, oh, who's this mystery person that they're talking to? It's like, we know it's Tiger the Dark, guys. We yeah. know that it's Tiger the Dark. It was a little silly where they covered his face that whole time. Like, clearly it's Tiger the Dark. Who else could it be? We know right, his who else voice. could it be? And you then know? just that sort of stunned reaction to the audience. And I don't know... I, that might work if it was, this was like a genuinely unexpected twist, uh-huh. but you know, just viewing it as a viewer, it's kind of like, it's not really that shocking because we, we were already seeing this happening before. I understand that the audience like in the show hasn't seen this. Yeah. I, I did. I did think it was funny that everyone, everyone's like, Oh wow. I didn't think mystery wrestler <coughs> X would actually be a surprise. Um, right. Or they had totally just been bluffing. Um, I don't know. I thought it was. That fu- is I thought fair. It was fine. That, that is that is fair. I hadn't quite thought about it like that because it's like, yeah, you know, I had forgotten that they had kind of set up this mystery wrestler X, and I guess that does kind of work within the context of the show. I guess I just kind of feel like that the audience is re- like, you know, the audience kind of plays a stand-in for the viewer in a lot of these types of shows, uh-huh. and I kind of felt like that they're that their shock there was supposed to sort of reflect our own shock. Like, oh man, Tiger the Dark and Tiger Mask working together? This is insane. And it's like, well, yeah, we kind of, I, I kind of figured that was going to happen mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, so um, what, what did you think of Kevin's meltdown? Uh, I thought it was fine. You know, this was clearly the best match of the episode. Yeah, I just like the fact that he started weeping and then took his <laughs> mask off so that everyone could see that he was weeping. Like, right. Like, just wait, like, wait until your tears dry. Like, you have a mask. That's the best time to be crying. Don't show it off. And no one commented on it, but I did think... I guess he was trying to show... The way I took that was he was trying to show Tiger the Dark, like, this is what you're doing to me. Like, this is what you're making me do. Mm. Okay? Like, I have to show... It's like, it's not good enough that... Because it's like, Tiger the Dark knew that uh, Miracle 2 was Kevin, or at least he sort of had some understanding of that. But I, the way I kind of saw that was, like, Kevin didn't care about, you know, maintaining, like, the mystery of who Miracle 2 was. He just had, like, in this moment, he had to show Takuma the pain he was going through. I guess. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> like, that kind of make it's like, I understand that it's not exactly the most, the most, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to say this, but, y- y- you know, it's not like... The most guarded thing you can do, right. but it's still, you know, it's like, I, I kind of buy the emotional, it's like, up until this point, I can at least buy this emotional resonance from Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so one of the issues that's brought up in that match is that Takuma has a tough time fighting because he lost his fighting intuition. Um, <laughs> and then he fights for a few minutes, and he gets tagged out, and he talks to Tiger Mask, and he says, I'm okay, I got my intuition back. <laughs> Like, as if it's a switch that goes on and off. What I really loved about that, too, was that in the... Because it's like they had to do the switch out because uh, you could hear uh, Tiger, uh, Big Tiger the Second and uh, Tanahashi fighting in the background. You could just hear them. Yeah. 
Uh, I just love the fact that rather than showing us this fight, we have to focus the camera on <laughs> Tiger Mask and, and Takuma talking about how much they enjoy pro wrestling. Exactly. Like, boy, oh boy, I sure did miss pro wrestling. Well, let's go interfere with this match and do a double kick. You know? Right. Which we, uh, that was one of the things we did find out as well. We finally got the reveal of uh, Tiger Mask's uh, killer move. Yeah, which I'll, admittedly is kind of cool to see. Uh, he, he manages right. to knock knock Kevin unconscious with this. He uh, lies, he uh, basically leans back into the ropes, and then he does an axe kick to the shoulder, to the left shoulder with his, his left leg. Uh, and then he brings up his knee and hits his opponent in the chin. Right. So he hits him down and up at the same time. Um, right. It, it is supposed to kind of like reflect like, you know, a tiger eating its prey or getting like that swift strike in on its prey. Yeah, you know yeah. What? It's like he's... You know what? It actually works. His jaws coming down and devouring yeah. his opponent. Um, yeah, it was cool. Um, um, I thought that the reveal of that was also kind of undermined, though, by the fact that they lost. Yeah, exactly. Like, what was the point of that? Just to, like, beat up Kevin? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, great, we got to see his killer move, but they lost the match anyway. You know, the, like, the reveal of the killer move, I feel like should sort of, you know, for as much as they've tried to build it up, uh, you know, like, you know, this big reveal about their killer move, you know, that should be kind of the moment where it's like, yeah, this is the moment of hope, you know, for well, Tiger Mask. Yeah, so I agree. The reason I think they are doing it is that, you know, now... Tiger the Great the Third has seen his killer move. So right. in the inevitable sixth match, when Tiger Mask and Tiger the Great the Third face off, right. Tiger Mask is going to have a moment where he does that move, but uh, Tiger the Great is going to be like, oh, I've already seen this, and he manages to block it. And everyone's like, right. oh, he blocked my killer move? <laughs> and then Tiger Mask is going to have to evolve within the match to oh. create a like the omega killer move or whatever right um, no i i totally get that um my major thing about that though is like <laughs> why use it against kevin like that would have worked great like you know having this grand moment where you know he's able to use that against big tiger the second like yeah that's what they're doing i think the it's be just because like he wasn't sure he was gonna have the opportunity to use it and he wanted to see if it worked that's fair. I guess that is fair. Um, but you know what else worked? Uh, every episode of Big Windup. <laughs> um, and just like that, we're back. Uh, you probably had no reason to believe that we would be leaving. But we did. Uh. Because as soon as I started introducing uh, the Big Windup segment, it became clear that I'd watched the wrong episode. <laughs> I'm not fully sure how I did this, but I managed to skip to episode 11 um, when we were actually on episode 10. So right. I had to go so, back and watch episode 10. Yeah, um, so uh, funny story, like, because we were very excited about not having to record a new bit, like having to split up the recordings, but uh, here we are. that ended up, yeah. yeah, here we are, that ended up to be a vain hope. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I had to watch Big Windup. Matt had to watch the E3 stuff. <laughs> I had to take a nap while reading The Wind and the Willows. Like, we all had important stuff to do, so it's been several hours. Um, <laughs> but here we are again. Um, and now I have watched the correct episode. It, it makes... I, I will say this, just as a spoiler. 
watching episode 10 makes episode 11 make a lot more sense. Because um, I had some big questions about episode 11. <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to start hearing some very negative thoughts from you about Big Wine. Yeah, I was like, since when did such and such become the cap? You know, why did this happen? That, they never established any of these new, new characters. Um, but there's a reason for that. So, all that being said, uh, I'd like to dive into the proper episode, uh, episode 10 of Big Wind Up. Cool. Well, please do so. Okay. Um, so, Mihashi is getting worried because uh, Coach Momoe lets the team know that they need to have more than one pitcher. Uh, of course, whenever anyone indicates that Mahashi might not be good enough, he collapses into uh, a puddle of tears. Um, but in this case, they go to great lengths to reassure him that it's not because they want to replace him. They just need someone else in case he's exhausted or if they have to play multiple games in a row. Um, so Oki and Hanai uh, start training on pitching and everyone else on the team uh, starts training on learning another position, including Tajima, who gets excited about becoming a backup catcher uh, because <laughs> he's told that balls come at you real fast and you can dive for pop flies. And that's all he needed. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Coach Momoi reminds them that uh, midterms are coming up and that if you fail a class, you're not allowed to be on a team and they need everyone there for the summer tournament, so they all have to study. Uh, Mahashi volunteers to have a study party at his house um of course it's also his birthday so he has some slight ulterior motives in getting people over just because he wants to be around his friends on his birthday uh once he gets home his mother thinks that they're all there for his birthday uh she had no way of knowing that he was too afraid to admit it was his birthday so she brought a cake and brought some food and so they have a little impromptu birthday party for mahashi and uh, then he shows them his practice area in the back, and Abe realizes just how much work Mahashi is putting in once again. Um, so overall, it was good at setting up the, the summer tournament, which is really the right. point. Um, you got to see them do some more practice games. You got to see them experiment with new setups. You got Because I, I think that was one of my questions with the first game, um, against Mahoshi was are they really going to have Mahoshi pitch all the time every game because one that's kind of boring and two that's not how baseball works <laughs> <laughs> right right naturally so thankfully they did answer that question I, I kind of also appreciated how it kind of set up new roles for everybody around the team yeah uh especially I think my big my big like about that episode was uh, the way Tajima comes to accept becoming backup catcher. Yeah, he's the uh, greatest character, number one. Um, <laughs> he is definitely the most entertaining character. Yeah, who he's just he's such a simple guy, and I appreciate how this how they convince him to be the catcher. Uh, just was just the most simplest basic way. It was like, hey, it'll be really exciting because you'll get to catch all these hard balls, and he's like, done. Yeah. They were like, why do you like playing third base? He's like, because the balls come at you fast. And they're like, well, you know where else the balls come at you fast? <laughs> when the pitcher throws the balls fast at you. And he's like, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, it, it makes him a very endear, kind of a charmingly dumb character. Like some, mm-hmm. I, I think dumb characters are kind of they're they're kind of an easy out for like likability sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it works very well for Tajima. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but he's also sometimes. exactly because he's not annoyingly dumb in the vein of Kaburagi from Yawapeda. Right, um, that's a fair point. You know, he's not he's not back there saying like, "Ah, oh, I'm not a catcher," you know, right. or something like. <laughs> so right, no, he he, you know, at first he's kind of like, "Well, I don't know, that doesn't sound like it's for me," but you know, it's like, yeah, all it took was just a little conjoling. Mm-hmm. Um. I think what I like about that, too, is it also does kind of show how Mihashi is sort of growing with the team, because, you know, one of the things that Abe even thinks of when they're, when uh, Momoe nominates Tajima is, like, actually, that's a weirdly good idea, because, it like, all we have to do is just feed him signals, and he actually does get along pretty well with Mihashi. Yeah, and he has um, one of the strongest arms on the team, like, it's, he has natural right. reflexes, like, it makes sense. I also, like, I mean, what I appreciate about an anime that covers a team sport is when it can have secondary characters without feeling like it has to explain the entire backstory of all those secondary characters but can still make them distinct and have a role and be fun um and one one example i liked here was oki so oki you know he's the first baseman but you don't really see him do much um in in the show so far uh and but of course when they're talking about other pitchers uh momoe asks oki she's like you've pitched before right because you're left-handed and he's like ah this always happens (laughs) like he clearly doesn't enjoy pitching particularly he he prefers to be at first base but because he's left-handed someone always asks him to pitch Right, because it's kind of because if I'm correct about this, it's because you're, you're kind of playing the numbers game because you're throwing from a different hand, so it's kind of different. It's kind of difficult for a batter who's also not batting from a left-handed position. Well, uh, to kind of, it's actually the other way around. Um, for left-handed, in general, left-handed pitchers are more effective against left-handed hitters. Oh, okay. Um, because when you're so it's a little confusing a bit when, when you say left-handed and right-handed for hitters because uh, a right. left well because if i know if i remember correctly there are some right-handed people who will sometimes hit with a left-handed position because i think i've been told mm-hmm. in the past and that like those rare times i played baseball that oftentimes i actually use a left-handed position well yeah so left-handed just means that so if you're facing the pitcher you're technically standing on the right side of the plate Right. But you have your right hand on the bottom and your left hand above it, um, whereas right-handed batters stand on the left side of the plate and have their left hand on the bottom and the right hand above it. It just means, like, which arm is in the back that's driving the bat forward. So, right. like, the, the majority of your force is coming from your left hand if you're a left-handed hitter. Uh, so, anyway, w- what... Why the re- the reason it's Im- important is that because right-handed pitchers are more common, oftentimes right. people will train to bat left-handed even if they aren't naturally left-handed because it's easier to see the ball coming out of uh, a right-handed pitcher's hand if you're on the opposite side of the plate. Right. So okay. th- the best way to counteract that is to have another pitcher who's left-handed so all the left-handed hitters don't have an advantage there. Right. 
But what's it, what's uh, what's interesting about that exchange though is like there there's just sort of this understated tone to Oki. Like you, you get a hint of his backstory there without mm-hmm. him having to actually go into it. It's again, it's all in the details. Exactly. Here. Yeah, you get uh, you get some character development without having to do like a sepia tone flashback. Right. Exactly. It's just like you know taking a very common element of baseball. It's just like oh, just like. Oh yeah, you're left-handed. Somebody's has to have made you pitch in the B before, right? And he's, he's like, like yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, something else I did like about this episode was the way it did slightly raise the stakes because we know that the two main aces of the team are uh, Mihashi and uh, Tajima. And what we saw here is that they are also both the worst at school. Well, yeah. So, yeah. so what's interesting about that is that there is sort there is that sort of uh, like there's the kind of that threat level there. It's like okay, so that's why we need to be worrying about our grades is because our two main guys are terrible at school. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I was kind of reminded of Haikyuu there a little yep, bit. They do the same thing. <laughs> they do kind of the same thing where it's like yeah, the two main like the two like main stars of the show are also both terrible and there's one that you kind of expect is dumb and then the other one you don't expect yeah it's the same way you expect tajima to be dumb but you're like mahashi he's dumb really he's dumb he's and it's i kind of assume it's because he spends all of his time practicing baseball right or pitching rather sure um but yeah uh how did you feel about uh what, what did you think about the party i mean I, I thought it was a f- it was fine. I, I didn't right. I didn't really feel much, if I'm gonna be honest. Okay, no, that's fine. Uh because I, I thought it was an interesting way to kind of build the the bond the team a little bit more because mm-hmm. what I liked about that was the whole thing about the discussion of the birthdays and like er, like everybody who had a birthday before this where they missed a birthday, they went ahead and just did like a re celebration for them. Mm. Uh and I thought that was a very again, it was a very quick way to kind of build the bond of this team together. Like, you can kind of see this team kind of coming together a little bit more, not just as, like, a team, but as friends. Well, yeah, and you see the implication there is if they're celebrating the birthdays they missed, it means they're going to think about celebrating the birthdays of people that are coming up in the future. Right. So it's, like, more of a commitment to have some <coughs> relationship outside of school. Right, exactly. So, and, and I did appreciate that. Like, again, it's a small thing. But, you know, it does a lot to kind of build up the unity of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, so if you don't mind, I, I think we're kind of running out of discussion here for Big Wine. Yeah, I, so. I, I, I didn't mean to sort of be a, a dead weight there. It's just like, this is a good episode. It's constructive. It sets up right. a lot of stuff. There's you, not a lot. To yeah, it. exactly. You, you see people learning new things. Hanai becomes the captain. You know, he sort of voted unanimously to be the captain of the right. team, but, like, there's not really that much to ruminate. Right. There's not um, a lot of... Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, go if ahead. you don't mind, uh, something that may have a little bit more to ruminate on, would you like to move on to Encouragement of Cloth? Please be my guest. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so, I am covering episodes 11 and 12 right now. So, the first episode we cover... Uh, we kind of see two differing stories going on with uh, uh, Hinata and Kakona, who are, you know, they're still traveling up the mountain to see the sunrise, whereas Aoi uh, go- is with Kaede, and they're traveling back down the mountain, essentially. 
<coughs> and uh, what we kind of see is we see this sort of different dynamic between the two because you see Hinata and Kokoda, you know, having a wonderful time, kind of like seeing like all these grand sights. But then you also see the opposite of that. You see Aoi, who's basically just miserable the entire time. Like, mm-hmm. she's... It's almost like as if though she's, like, kind of actively trying not to have fun. Right. Uh, just because she's so miserable about missing out on it. And, you know, she's constantly confused about why everybody's being so nice to her because she feels like she just ruined the trip for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that second episode is about the sort of fallout from that. Everybody's back home. Uh, Aoi is kind of distancing herself from her friends a little bit. Uh, Hinata, who is generally pretty, like, you know, she generally bugs Aoi even when she doesn't want to be bugged. She's actually kind of giving her some space now. Uh, even Kakona even wants to go talk to her, but Hinata kind of is like, eh, just let her be for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after laying around for so long, Aoi gets sick of kind of just sort of being a lump. After getting, like, getting some mail that was sent to her by Aoi and Kakona while they are on Mount Fuji, she decides to go on a, like, another little hiking excursion, kind of revisit one of the places that she and Hinata went to go, and on the along the way, she actually does run into Hinata. This kind of reopens back up their relationship a little bit. Uh, Hinata's a little bit more open and friendly with her again and they kind of go out and explore a little bit more and at the end of the episode Aoi sort of resolves to go to see Mount Fuji again mm-hmm. uh, so I think I probably preferred the first episode to the second one the second episode was fine but again yeah. there wasn't the, really a lot to it the second episode was just wrapping up because it was you know the first core of second season um, right. so they needed to have some resolution on episode <coughs> 12 right pretty much but yeah so, episode 11 was great yeah, episode 11 was really fun. Uh, one of, I think my big sticking point there is actually some of the imagery that they used. Uh, I, what I really loved was when uh, they were at, when Aoi and Kakona were at the top of the mountain. And when you get, like, when you get to see the sunrise there, and when it kind of zooms out, like, they're like, hey, we've, might, we've made it to the top, we're at the basin now. Mm-hmm. And it zooms out, it, like, it zooms to this extreme long shot of of above the mountain. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get to see that shot of the mountain. It's like, it's just like a part of nature. It's just sort of like this sort of, not really formless, but it just feels like this, like, it doesn't feel distinct from the rest of the world. Mm. And it kind of made, it kind of made everything just feel so small. Yeah. And I, and I love, it's like, I kind of, it's like, you know, the series is a little manipulative, but it's like, dang, that is just such a beautiful shot. Yeah, and I, uh, I do like that it doesn't it doesn't hyper focus so much on these girls that you're not able to appreciate the environment. Like especially this little, you know, this Fujisan arc or whatever, um it feels right. like it's been a lot more focused on their environment than the the characters specifically. Right. Right, yeah, exactly. And it's like, and I love the way that these tones are just so, it's like, I mean, it's a very earthy show, but, you know, the tones match that. Mm -hmm. Like, the way, like, I just love how it just feels like it's just this sort of stoic, it's just a sort of anomaly on an otherwise, like, sort of formless, like, not really, like, in the sort of formless, like, rocky landscape, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, there was something about it that just sort of, like, struck me as just so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, 
And yeah, I really love that shot. And I also, you know, we talked about it last episode. I really love these stupid Americans that are constantly around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they follow them the entire trip at every right. point. And I, I think what I love the most is that when uh, they were on, like when the sun was rising there and uh, Kakoda and uh, and Hinata were watching the sunrise and they were just going, Banzai! Banzai! And they, I think they were speaking a little bit of Japanese there and it just came off as the, like these are two Americans who just learned some random Japanese phrases and are repeating them. Yeah, exactly. Like, just out of sheer excitement to be there at Mount Fuji. And it's like, you know what, that's probably pretty close to what I'd be like. Well, yeah, and I do kind of, I I appreciate the fact that, you know, it would be very easy to have these American characters and then have the the point being to criticize how gauche they are. Um, Right. But instead what it has is, you know, they start yelling because, like, they're effectively saying, this is so awesome. And Hinata and Kokona sort of look at each other and are like, you know what, this is awesome. And they start yelling Bonsai too. Yeah, they start, they kind of, they, their excitement is infectious. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, some shows, like, a lot of anime has a very Japanese focus. I mean, I don't think that's such a surprise. Um, and I think, like, it has a very national, like, a lot of anime kind of has this sort of idealism sometimes to kind of be a showcase of itself for the world. Right. Because it is a global market now. Mm-hmm. And I guess I kind of got a sense of like... It's like, yeah, see, look. People... Like, you don't have to be Japanese to appreciate Mount mm-hmm. Fuji. Yeah. Like, this is... It's a very... It's a globally, like, known location. I they, It's even a conversation I think that the American couple has outside. It's like, yeah, I can see that why that's a... Uh, World like, Heritage consider- Site, yeah. Yeah, World Heritage Site. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can totally understand that. It's a little on the nose and it's a little, like... It, it feels a little bit like an advertisement. It's like, hey, see, look, even Americans like this place. It is an ad, but again, and we've said this before, unlike other shows in this vein, it's a good ad. Like, right, after yeah. watching these episodes, I want to do what they did. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm totally the same way. there. Like, that looks like a great weekend trip to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is totally my response, too. And it's kind of like, it, it's, it's a little bit of an ad, but it also kind of... It, it shows it, you know, it, it, it makes a good case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it earns it, and it doesn't sugarcoat it, because, right. you know, Aoi like, is on this, this other side, so, you know, you visualize yourself having the experience that Hinata and Kokona have. Right. So they get to the top, and what I like is Hinata is complaining, she's like, oh my gosh, like, I'm really supposed to walk all the way around the basin now? Like, I'm already exhausted, I don't want to go on another two-hour <laughs> hike. But she does it, and it's amazing, and she gets to see a bunch of cool stuff. And then it shifts to Aoi, who's like, I'm so exhausted, I don't want to do this. Because she's just, you know, she got halfway up and had to go back down. So right. it's like, they're both similarly exhausted. But one right. is having a great time because she's achieved something the other one hasn't. Right, and the other one hasn't. And I really love, like, I love that contrasting sequence that we have. With, you know, we see the sunrise with Kakona Hinata. Then we also see with Aoi, and it's like, I can see myself in that situation, like... Yeah, I know this is cool and everything. I know this is beautiful, but I'm just not feeling it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, this trip is just so ruined. Yeah, Because exactly. I remember having that feeling when I was traveling in Japan and I was going up a mountain. And I remember thinking, it's like, this is a wonderful sight, but God, I just have such bad, like, rat. I have just such a terrible rash right now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, what did, What did you think of... The extended portrayal of Aoi's, like, 
shame and self-loathing. I thought it was a little extreme, but I, I think it wasn't... Like, I understand being disappointed while you're there and being like... Uh, you know, it's like, uh, I'm just miserable, I hate myself, like, this is so stupid, I'm so upset with myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I thought the kind of, sort of, moving herself away from her friends was a little much. Mm. Like, especially after all the work that the series has kind of done to kind of, uh, you know, show it's like, you know, she's gotten that close to them where she can talk about her issues with them, and then for her to suddenly be kind of, like, distant with them all of a sudden felt a little weird. I guess at the same time, I can kind of understand it because, uh, you know, her entire friendship with all these girls is kind of dependent on their shared passion for hiking. Yeah, exactly. And And if she's like, oh, everyone else can do this but me. Right, exactly. It's like, I don't feel like I'm a part of this group. I I felt like maybe they could have done a little bit more to drive that point home. But I I think it is understandable at the very least. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I really really appreciated how they wrapped up this arc overall um right. i thought this I, I thought it was definitely the most convincing of these kinds of shows i mean um but i i don't i don't need to repeat myself yeah uh, we, was, we've talked about that it, it's a good show I, I don't know if i'd recommend it for everybody but it, it's a solid watch if yeah you're... so it was a good good first half to the second season and right. uh we'll see how it wraps up with uh the next 12 episodes yeah absolutely Cool. Well, uh, I think that probably... Speaking of wrapping up, I oh, think Oh, that... nice. That was an <laughs> extremely smooth transition, Matt. It was very clear you were uh, quick on the uptake. I try. I try so hard. And now I'm going to try the end of the episode. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiancast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.